The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 1 Who am I? I asked myself that as I stared out in an unfamiliar sky. The planet Aruvis, a distant speck of green and orange. So tiny and insignificant. Plenty of folks have told me that when they first looked on their home worlds from beyond, something inside of them changed. Some got a feeling of smallness. A sense of their own insignificant place in a vast cosmos. Others suddenly realized that everything was connected and that life was so much bigger than they had previously thought. As for me, I wasn't even sure who I was anymore. Was I still Kef, a junk scrapper who had spent his life wandering the ruins of a blasted civilization? Or was I someone else now? I wondered if the old me had truly died back there on Aruvis, his body disintegrated at the top of an impossibly tall tower at the conclusion of a mad quest. I still felt like that same person, pretty much, even if I had just journeyed through what seemed like the afterlife, experienced what felt like a collection of past lives, and then found myself face to face with what my people would have called gods, some who wanted me dead, and others who wanted me to join them. My old world was far behind me, and I had no idea what connection I might have to it anymore. But despite it all, I was still me. It's crazy how elastic consciousness can be, even faced with some of the most scragged-up situations you can imagine. So there I was, my face practically plastered to the window of a cube-shaped starship as it descended through the skies of an alien planet. A part of me still had trouble believing it, like at any moment I would wake up from this dream and be back there on stinky Aruvis, rising to another day of junk scrounging. Yep, dreamlike. But at the same time, it was more real than ever before. I stood staring out of the circular window, a lavender-tinted sky above carrying hints of blue from clouds that flitted lazily in the winds. Already, the distant sphere of Aruvis had vanished behind a cloud patch. Below us, the new planet's surface was rapidly approaching. My first glimpse of an alien world. Its surface covered in reflective coppery soil, the land was a hilly expanse where clusters of enormous crystals could be seen in the distance, jutting up from the ground like some shiny mountains. I was kind of lost in the wonder of it all, and the only thing I could do was stare. My face pushed up against the window, my senses swimming in all the new sensations. From deep within my psyche came the tingle of excitement. Both Rayleigh and Burge were stirring from within, using my eyes to marvel at all the insane technology here in this impossible starship without controls or interface. I could almost hear Rayleigh's voice going over equations and doing measurements to try and figure it all out. 
Despite the weirdness of having other people in my head, it felt good to know that they were both still there, still present and still themselves. My two oldest friends, who had died getting me to where I stood. But had they died? Was it really them inside of me? Or just some thought patterns? Were these their souls? Could they come back? There was a tug at my awareness, as if someone were mentally prodding me. I spun around to face the ship's central chamber, with minimal decor, cream white walls, and an iridescent green floor. Off to the side of the room stood a lone chair, where an unidentified woman with a bald head and mustard yellow skin tirelessly piloted the ship. Directly in front of me waited Zirathra, her hands folded over her waist, her sky-blue skin visible beneath a silky white cloak. As usual, her expression was neutral, but a subtle glimmer in her big purple eyes clearly wanted my attention. Or I was developing telepathy, which, given the circumstances, was quite possible. Oh, hi, Z, I said, tossing her a wink, which she did not return. What's going on? We are fast approaching the surface of Shivnar, sixth world out from this system's sun, she stated, her voice like wind, soft and yet clearly audible. There we will enter the mobile fortress Amethyrium, and I will bring you to meet with the Nyar Council who watch over this sector. Uh, hold on a second, I said, gulping. You want me to meet with some high council? Indeed, stated Z, her expression unchanging. Prepare yourself as best you can. Uh, but how in the scrag do you expect me to prepare when I don't have the slightest idea what's actually happening or who these people are? I had just endured the most harrowing experience in all of my life. I had faced down blood-crazed knights, insane cultists, and alien soldiers. I had even gone through some crazy spiritual afterlife journey. I may have died and been reborn, but I still felt queasy at the thought of having to answer to some snooty council. Were they going to give me some kind of evaluation? Judge me? Did I have to impress them? As if reading my thoughts, Zirathra glanced me up and down, gave a slight nod of her head, and then let her tiny lips form into a half-smile. There will be no pressure on you, she said. The Council's purpose is not to judge you, but to inform you, to examine your potential, and to guide you along your path among the Nyar. All that is expected from you is that you remain calm, keep a clear head, and your wits about you. Uh, clear head, yeah. Wits, for sure. That's my thing, all right, just a calm and collected guy. I put on a big fake grin for her and nodded my head, though I was entirely sure she wasn't buying it, and went back to looking out the window. I watched as a rugged and yet ethereal landscape of Shivnar zoomed past, with its plains of crystalline growths and reflective metallic sands, not a city or settlement in sight. After our six-sided ship coasted through a patch of low-hanging blue clouds, I got a view of what had to be that fortress Z was talking about. It sat upon a high plateau, its metallic surface aglow in the sunlight, hints of warm, rosy tones among the golden luster. From up above, it looked cross-shaped, with four even spokes, each ending in a rounded tower, the center of the whole thing host to a clustered conical building that brought to mind a hive. The fortress was immense, like a dozen cities back home on Aruvis. But I was starting to realize that maybe things got bigger out here, in the wider universe. Like that tower of theirs, or that scragging satellite around our moon. 
Zerathra looked to our unnamed pilot. Whoever she was, the silent lady nodded, a warm smile coming to her lips. Her forehead was tattooed with weird silvery patterns that resembled lightning. I bet that chick had a story to tell. But at that moment, she wasn't telling it. Without delay, our ship headed down towards the fortress. Various other forms came and went. Ships just like the one I was on. Some were cubical and bulky like ours. And a few were eight-sided and sleeker, like the one Z flew. But most of the ships were little bronze tetrahedrons, circling the fortress in steady patterns. I wondered how half these things could even fly, ours included, shaped like scragging cubes. I figured it was some weird anti-grav tech that probably made them ignore all the sane rules of physics. As we made our descent, I peeked backward momentarily, glancing once more at the vibrant cloudscape of Shivnar and the stars above it. At that moment, I noticed them. Three spiny red craft that reminded me of winged crabs, emerging from behind the cloud cover, miles away but getting closer by the instant. Those were not Nyar vessels. I recognized them from before, but even if I hadn't, the design was totally different. The opposite of the geometric figures around the fortress. It's much like life forms as spaceships. I looked to Z. She nodded. The Veyer are here, she said neutrally, though I could see her muscles tensing up for an instant. Scout ships, and more to follow. With those words, she turned around and looked forward, placing a hand on the pilot's shoulder. As I felt the ship accelerating, I looked backward one more time to see the three Veyer craft joined by four more. I wondered if they had followed us from Aruvis. Were they after me? I didn't have much time to ponder it. The gold and rose-colored fortress Amethyrium was drawing ever closer. The sheer immensity of its spires now visible to me, each of them covered in turrets, antennae, and windows into thousands of rooms. The ship continued to coast downward, passing through a translucent blue membrane that appeared briefly in my view, then entering the fortress inside via a portal that suddenly formed at our arrival, where before there had been only a metal wall. An instant later, we touched down on a hexagonal landing pad in a crescent-shaped room, many hundreds of yards long, and lined with similar pads where a multitude of Nyar ships stood docked. A door on the side of the ship opened, and Z led me out. I stepped out onto the landing pad. A tingle ran over my skin as a mint-green light projected from the nearby ceiling and over me. Both light and sensation stopped in an instant, leaving me with a curious feeling of being connected, of familiarity. Welcome to the Mobile Command Fortress Amethyrium, recruit, said a voice in my mind, crisp, polite, and entirely artificial. In the background of my awareness, I knew that I could reach out and access all sorts of data about the fortress. But then I felt Z's soft hand on my arm. My connection to the fortress receded into the background. We do not have time for a tour, she said. The Vare are fast approaching. Come. She led me off of the platform and across the muted gold floor of the room, past collections of varied geometric ships. Lined up outside of the ships were rows of people, or what I figured to be people, all clad in identical silver armor, their features hidden by Leonin masks of the same reflective metal. Most stood perfectly still, but several were tending to the starships like they were mechanics. I remembered seeing them before. They had accompanied Z when I had seen her back in Aruvis, 
or topped a tower of trials. Guards of some kind. Were those the other Nyar? Was she going to make me put on a cat suit like that? The Nentayel, stated Zarathra, as if reading my mind. They serve as our soldiers, as guardians. And no, you will not be joining their ranks. The Nentayel are not among the awake. I would have asked for more details, but C kept walking. I figured those cat-helmed guys must be robots of some kind, since they were all the same height and build, and it would be tough to get regular folk to stand that still for that long. The council will have to wait, Zarathra told me as we strode across the docking bay. I shall take you directly to the command bridge. We soon reached a door in the far wall, leading into a hallway lined with what looked like a metal conveyor belt. Zarathra gestured towards it. I was about to ask when the thought transport floor came to me, the words hovering over the entrance to the hall. I stepped on, followed by my companion close behind. At first it moved slowly, the immensity of the docking bay gradually fading behind us as we drifted towards the lower ceilinged hallway, one of many. Then we were regularly zooming. The golden pink walls of the station became a blur. The vague forms of doors, rooms, and people passing by without registering fully in my senses. We must have been moving at an insane speed, but with practically no inertia and my feet standing steady on the conveyor. In moments we stopped, the belt depositing us out an oval-shaped door and into a golden hall, lined with bright blue banners decorated with elaborate hatched circle patterns. As a temporary door melted back into the wall, Zirathra nudged me, drawing us onward. She took a left down the hall and I followed, past doors into many mysterious rooms. We turned some corners and passed through a few more doors that formed straight out of the wall, until finally we emerged into a wider area. Command bridge, said a thought that wasn't my own, giving the room's ID. It was an expansive, circular chamber, the whole thing enclosed like a fish tank in translucent material, giving a perfect view of the local landscape and the skies above. Placed evenly around the room, facing outward, were forty chairs, three-quarters of them occupied by people. Most were beautiful, perfect specimens of a race close to my own, with skin colors ranging from ebony and cream to magenta and even metallic hues. Their faces were pristine, their features unmarred, and their bodies healthy. A few of them had bigger heads than I would have expected, or longer ears or wider eyes. One of them had a third eye in the middle of his forehead, Another had a set of bug-like wings upon her back. A few more of the crowd were of a different cast. Folks with avian or reptilian faces are covered in fur. One had three faces and skin the color of burnished bronze. Another had a leafy texture to their green flesh and eyes that looked like swirling pools of water. Around a dozen of those Nentails stood at ready, the lion-helmed warriors standing at position around the chamber. Many among the Nair looked my way as we entered, but none said a word. I noticed that most of their gazes lingered on me only a moment, and instead were focused outward, on the windows above. I looked there too, waiting for something to happen. In moments it did. There was a ripple in the skies. The very air folded, then fell back into place. Where once there had been only atmosphere, now stretched forth a grand fleet. The enemy stood before us, the dreaded Vare. The people of my homeworld had venerated them, calling them the Lords Beyond. 
had formed entire religions dedicated to following these wrathful and violent gods. And here they were, in the flesh, ready to blow us up. There was a single big ship, its hull a dark green, covered in ridged plates and shaped like some great oblong slug or worm, a glassy eye-like device on its front end. Around it floated several vessels like the ones I had seen over Aruvis, their forms curiously biological, like a mix of animal and machine, terrifying and yet elegant. Hundreds of tiny craft poured from the larger vessel, like swarms of red and black insects. Within seconds they stopped, hovering there, probably a mile or two from where I stood. The Veyer Unity has a claim upon this sector. The thought fell right into my brain, like I knew it must have for everyone else on this station. A familiar image came with it, his stony skin a coal black, his features spindly and almost skeletal, his hollow face crowned by obsidian-like spikes, his eyes aglow like twin embers. The Lord Gervath, the one the cults on Arubis had worshipped as their chief god. The same scragger that I had a vision of on my first flight. We are aware of your actions during our ascension event, he thought at us. And we are not pleased. We demand that you give up all activities on Planet 5, including all attempts at recruitment, ultra processing, or sabotage. Consider this conflict a taste of what is to come, should you not cooperate. The image of the Veyer Overlord vanished from our minds, leaving us all to concentrate solely on the immense fleet that was currently moving into position all around the fortress. I was left where I stood, the other people in the room paying me no attention whatsoever, as around us the grand fleet of the Veyer moved into position like a swarm of space bugs. As I looked to the Nyar command officers in their chairs, I could feel the unease in the room, the tension, though nobody cried out or expressed any panic. The big green ship's central eye began to light up, the smaller ships reacting to it by spreading outward. A volley of green laser fire erupted from them, striking some invisible shield on our structure. The command bridge shook with a rapid vibration, which soon subsided. I looked back to see the Nyar in their chairs, each one of them appearing in deep concentration, the chairs beginning to glow with light. I wondered what in the green ocean they might be doing, but then I realized they were probably connecting to the fortress, maybe operating some kind of defense system. In moments, the Nyar fleet emerged, pouring from the fortress to meet the threat. While the Veyer ships were both beautiful and terrible, among the Nyar was only an elegant calm, the images of thousands of geometries gleaming gilded in the light of the orange sun. The battle began in earnest, the Nyar forces moving in unified patterns as they careened towards the Veyer attackers, blaster fire lighting up the lavender blue skies. Just looking at it, I felt overwhelmed and queasy. Sit, commanded Zerothra, pointing to an unoccupied chair. In no mood to be a rebel, I promptly did so. As you see, we are being attacked. The Ver fleet is upon us, and their hostility is clear. Ah, uh, I began, 
mouth wide open. Do you expect me to, uh... I expect you to sit back and watch, she replied. You are still untrained, and would be more viability than asset to us out there, Kev. I shall form a link between us. Then I must depart for battle. Sit there and concentrate. You should be aware of nearly everything I'm experiencing. Learn from it. Z turned from me to briefly glance out at the imposing horde of vessels, then turned to me again. Our eyes met. My gaze gravitated towards her, towards those violet-colored eyes. I fell towards them, my awareness flowing into hers. She was in me, and I was in her. It was a sensation I could have called sexual, though our bodies never touched. It was a linking, like what I had done with the starships, but deeper, more alive. Within were countless thoughts, millennia of memories, a sea of emotions regulated by careful thought patterns and well-programmed habits. I plunged straight into that mental sea. For one brief instant I was aware of my body, of the fleet swarming upon us, of the room shaking as a blast struck it. Then I fell limp, plopped right back into the chair, and everything darkened. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.